This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Bolivanaka and welcome to another week of Can You Be More Pacific? Talking all things sport across the Pacific. My name is Sarah Nangama. And I'm Dean Hullitow. And coming up in the next hour, we'll have a look back at the weekend in sport. We've got an interview with Brandon Payang Aramosa, a brand new segment called You Can Ask That. And as always, we'll have music from a local artist. We've got plenty to get through this week, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do. There's a lot to chat about. Plenty to get through, as always. But how was your week, Sarah? My week has been pretty busy. However, I'm very thankful to be here with you today. What about you? Uh, week's been busy as well, but loving the rugby league that's been played on the loving all the sport that's been played across the weekend. And yeah, I'm pumped to be here for another um, look back on, on what's happened and, and a look forward to what's coming up. There is actually so much to talk about, but before we get stuck into it, there was this sensational piece of content um, that circulated on the internet by KVT Silktails. It basically was that the captain had made his debut for the North Sydney Bears, and there's this incredible scene of him walking off the pitch, walking towards the fence, and all of his teammates are there, and they're singing this incredible song. <laughs> Yeah, that was for the Silk Tales captain, Penioni Tangi Tuimua. Uh, he made his debut for the North Sydney Bears, as you said. They're in the New South Wales Cup. Uh, the Silk Tales have been playing in the Ron Massey Cup. So New South Wales Cup's one below NRL, and uh, we were lucky enough on the other show that I do, the TV show called uh, That Pacific Sports Show. Penny came on the other night with uh, Fijian legend Petro Thivanathiva. Did I get that right? I, I believe it's Thivanathiva. Okay, thank you. Thivanathiva. Yeah. It's okay. I'm helping you be more That's specific, right. I remember? need to learn these yeah, things. I got you. I got you. Petro and Penny came on the show the other night and uh, Penny was he had a, a grin from ear to ear and he was talking about his dream is to play in the NRL and this gets him on one step closer. So uh, very happy for Penny to be able to do that. Very, very special. Can you be more Pacific? Plays of the week. So wrapping up the weekend in sport, there was plenty that went on and we'll start with some sad news. Unfortunately, Manly and Australian rugby league legend Bob Fulton passed away on Sunday at the age of 73. Uh, he was an immortal, one of the original immortals and, uh, look, a true legend of the game. He represented Australia both as a coach and as a player, uh, and he's got an enormous record. Very sad news for the game of rugby league. Absolutely. Really sad, but we uh, send his family our love and condolences, and he will definitely be someone that we remember for as long as the game will be played. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm sure, uh, I, I believe he's, he's going to be getting a state funeral, uh, which, is, which is huge. Um, he's rugby league royalty and uh, a yeah, very, very sad day for rugby league. In other rugby league news, in the Ron Massey Cup, the Silk Tails, they lost to the Hills Bulls 20 to 30, but they made a late comeback. Yes, they did. It was, it was, you probably, if anyone watched that game, you probably didn't think that they'd be in it. Uh, but you know what? I'm actually stoked of what the boys do. I know that as a team, they are looking forward to heading out to Wentworthville uh, this week. It'll be such a tough game for them, but keen to see what Wes Nangama does with his boys. I was actually speaking to a friend of mine that played for the Bulls uh, for Hills District on the weekend, and it's the first time that he's played against the Silk Tails. And he said to me, he goes, every single one of them that I tried to tackle hurt me. He goes, <laughs> it was standing there. He pointed at the brick wall and he said, that brick wall? He goes, it was like running to that brick wall every time I carried the ball as well. So, um, Oh, no, you know, Fijians cut from a different cloth. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And I know that for sure. <laughs> 
And up in the Q Cup, the uh, South's Logan Magpies defeated the PNG Hunters, who are having a little bit of a difficult time. They lost 48-14. to 14. Uh, They sit currently 10th on the table with three wins, four losses. Wow. Well, hopefully they can turn things around, but I mean, it's pretty hard to come back from a big loss like that. Yeah, it is. And look, a couple of weeks ago, they had a, a pretty tough game where they got a number of players sin-binned. And, and Too many penalties. Off. Yeah, I, I lost track of how many there were. But um, yeah, hopefully there's still plenty of time left in the season for the Hunters and mm-hmm. um, no doubt they can improve. Uh, in the NRL, up in the top grade, the Cowboys defeated the Knights and Helam Lukey, who's uh, New and made his debut. Um, last New and that I remember making his debut was Joseph Paulo. Um, who that played was some time ago some that time he was ago. played. Before that, uh, I put my hand play. up, that was me. Um I didn't have as good a debut as Helam did. He managed to score a try. He had a number of really strong carries. He looked really good. He's tall. He's a big unit and had all his family there in the crowd. It was uh, really good to watch. And he's also on report. So he's experienced all, all <laughs> sides of the game yeah. in his debut. He comes in on the on the crackdown. And what about what else happened in that match? Oh, my God. So Tamalolo runs out of the tunnel. As he runs out, I believe it's on his left-hand side. He notices his dog and his, his dog is there on a leash um, with his missus. And Tamalolo like completely doesn't even acknowledge his, I'm not sure if it's his wife or his girlfriend, but his partner and kisses the dog. <laughs> he just like, he runs out and it's so, it was so heartwarming to see because Jason obviously is a very big guy, well-respected in the game, like really masculine dude. And then you just see him like crumble in a moment as soon as he notices his dog, bends over, gives his dog a kiss. And then he's like, oh, my missus is here too. Hey babe. Hey babe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give him a pass because you don't, you don't expect to see an animal like a dog, your dog on the field, right? So I'll say he's run out and just like, that's strange. There's a dog. Hey, that's my dog. Oh, my dog. Yeah. And then goes and gives Do you a have a dog? Yeah, yeah I've got a dog. We've What's got your dog. dog's name? Vinny. Vinny. And yeah. what kind of dog is he? He's a Bordoodle. Is that like a bulldog nah, it's a poodle? Border Collie cross poodle. Okay. Like I was thinking He's of like a, a bulldog, no kidding, with curly hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He's only a pup still. So um, yeah, the kids, uh, the kids love him. Speaking about another game, we had the Warriors defeat the Tigers 30 to 26. That's, that's one try. Yeah. And look, the Tigers... They were good in patches in this game, but um, my old team, they uh, they couldn't do it when the Warriors at one point had 11 players on the field. So disappointing. Um, they've, they're have they going this year, they're doing what they generally do, which is win one against the odds and then where they're expected to, to kick on and, and maybe win a game, they're, they're struggling a little bit. And the Warriors, I love seeing the Warriors do well because they've sacrificed so much to be here in Australia. They're, they've indicated they're going to be here for the rest of the season. Um, so I, I like seeing them do well, but um, disappointing for the Tigers. Yeah, really disappointing. There's something that I do want to talk about, which was Marcelo Montoya letting in a try. It's a uh, I mean, I watched that. I watched that particular scene and he, he just didn't think that there was any pressure coming in from behind him and um, David is hot on his tail and puts the ball down. Yeah, David Nofaluma, he never gives up on anything. He he, he plays hard and, um, yeah, Marcelo just – maybe he needed some communication from his, his men around him. But then I'm also like, what did you think? Like, <laughs> they're obviously putting some pressure on your line. But anywho, nonetheless, uh, congratulations to the Warriors. Yeah, and look, uh, one last game that I think we should mention, and that's the Broncos against the Roosters. Was it the the upset of the round or what? It was the upset of the round and 34-16 to the Broncos. Um, look, they played really, really well. They, they obviously turned up with a good attitude, a good game plan, and they executed it well. Um, but 
There's a, a couple of headlines that came out of that that game. Joseph Swali, the 17 year old, made his debut. Um, so they, they've changed the NR rule, or they they granted him an exemption outside of the NR rules to to play. There's there's a lot of uh, conditions around him being able to play at, at the age of 17. But um, he got to make his debut. It was a solid game from him. Nothing spectacular, I would say, but he definitely looked comfortable, not out of place. Uh, David Mead, the veteran Papua New Guinean, came back into the side and scored three tries, so he'll be happy with that. Um, but what else happened in that game that was that was very, very difficult for the Roosters? Victor Radley. Yes, Victor Radley. Thoughts and prayers with Victor Radley. He must be upset with the game right now. Yeah, he looked he looked very frustrated on uh, on Saturday night. He gets the double sin bin, the dreaded double. The last time that happened was Cameron Munster in a grand final, I believe. Um, back in 2018, if memory serves me correctly. Um, but yeah, Victor Radley, it was, um, I can't say that they weren't warranted, the the sin binnings. Yeah. One on Tavita Pangai Jr., which was straight to the chin. Thank you very much. Uh, and then, yeah, Vic's unfortunately got five weeks from the judiciary. He'll be sitting on the sidelines for five weeks. What what round would that take us up to? Uh, maths 12 this week. Uh, he'll be back in round 17, I would say. 12, 13, yeah, 17. Does that mean Quick he's math. just like conditioning for the next five weeks? Yeah, he's just come back from injury. Yes, that's the thing, year, right? Because so. he would have been so looking forward to just getting stuck in it with the boys because yeah. he's coming at it like at a point of the season where there's still a lot of footy to be played and then he just gets he gets that and yeah. he's out. I feel for him, but that's the way the game is going at the moment with the rule crackdown and um, yeah, he'll be super fit when he gets back, hopefully. All right. Well, anyways, there's a lot in rugby league. Let's go over to rugby. Yeah, because you know rugby league, rugby league, everything rugby league. Let's talk (laughs) about the game that they play in heaven. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Rugby union. Uh, So obviously we have the Trans Tasman competition, and so just for a quick rundown, Hurricanes they defeated the Rebels thirty-five to thirteen. Western Force also lost to the Highlanders fifteen to twenty-five. Blues defeated the Waratahs forty-eight to twenty-one. Why am I mentioning all these losses? I'll get there. Uh, Chiefs defeated the Brumbies 40 to 19, and the Reds also lost to the Crusaders 28 to 63. That's five matches that were played on the weekend. All of the Australian sides lost to the New Zealand sides, and three of those teams conceded more than 20 points. For the second week in a row. For the second week in a row. It's, uh, it's unbelievable that the New Zealand sides have been so dominant this early in the competition. Um, 0 and 10 for the Aussie teams. And you said. Losses. It depends which side of the fence you're sitting on. I know I've got an Aussie accent, but I was born in New Zealand and I'm still a Aussie Kiwi. Aussie accent? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to see the Kiwis winning, but um, I also want to see the, the Aussie team start to, to compete and get some results. Probably the one that stands out for me is is the Reds lost to the Crusaders. That was the, the playoff of the winners from mm. the Super Rugby Aotearoa and, uh, and AU. So, uh, disappointing to concede 63 points for the Reds. Um I think the Waratahs actually started pretty well. They they almost um, gave the Blues a, a bit of a fright. Absolutely, and I know that, and I know we you know we, we constantly touch on the Waratahs, but the way that they're scoring points is more than what they were doing in in the Australian competition. So for me, yes, they're losing, but they're scoring points a little bit faster. Obviously, they're not kind of coming away with the win, um, but. There's something to be said about this trans-Tasman competition because these Australian sides are losing and they're not just losing, they're really losing. So it obviously speaks volumes about the differences in the game um, between New Zealand and Australia, but hopefully heading into this round, they can really shift um, the results and do something about it. Yeah, well, we're going to actually chat to Brendan Payang, our Mossa, later in the uh, show from the Reds. He can give us a bit of uh, insight as to what is happening between the trans-Tasman series. Looking forward to it.
And lastly, we're going to get onto some AFL news. Yes, the Giants defeated the Eagles. Go the Giants. West is best. I know that our producer, Renell, she loves, loves, loves the Giants, so she was very stoked about this one. Yeah, look for the Eagles, but Nick Natanui continues to play really well. He came up with six tackles, 34 hitouts, eight clearances, 13 contested possessions, so he continues to get better and better with each game. Great to see the veteran doing well, but still good to see the GWS Giants win. Yes, I, I love looking at stats like that. I wonder what my stats would be like. What were your stats? Um, my stats are pretty average, I would say. Were you were, were you a carrier? Like, were you all about meters, or were you like, no, I want to tackle and, and be that person that gets around the park? Probably a tackler more than a than a carrier. Sacrificial lamb. Yeah, love it. Putting but, your body on the line for the Connor, boys. I had one of my coaches, <laughs> uh, Des Hasler, when I had him at the Bulldogs. He was like super into the stats. Like, would break things down like really detailed. So. We'd look at um, play the ball speed. Play the ball speed's been um, talked about quite a bit now, but we would look at play the ball speed, post-contact meters. Um, Into the numbers. Yeah, like really gritty numbers. And uh, I used to probably get caught up in that sometimes going, okay, if I did this really well, and mm. it's a pat on the back from the coach. But um, yeah, just make my tackles, high percentages if I can. And that was all I, all I focused on. I love that for you. Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. This week on Talanoa Time, we're lucky to be joined by Brandon Payenga Amosa. He's a Wallaby, a Queensland Red. He's of Samoan descent. He's 25 years old and he's a powerhouse hooker. He was lucky enough to win the Super Rugby AU recently with the Queensland Reds and he credits working as a garbo to get into representative form where he made his debut for the Wallabies in 2018 versus the Irish Lions. Okay, Brandon, to get us started, we're going to start with a segment called Tip On. It's a couple of quick, fiery icebreaker questions. So the purpose of it is I don't want you to think too much about it. I want the first answer um, that comes to mind to be the thing that you say. Sound good? Awesome. All right, let's kick start into it. Beach or pool? Beach. Which is better, the book or the movie? The movie, 100%. What's your guilty pleasure? Chocolate. (laughs) Chocolate Uh, Instagram or TikTok? Instagram. What are you reading, watching, or listening to right now? Right now, or your podcast and another podcast from the sky in the US. I forgot what it's called, but it's hectic. Okay, gun. What was your first concert? Uh, Salt and Pepper. Hey, do you have a hidden it talent? No, 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 not really hidden talent. <laughs> Texting or talking on the phone? Talking on the phone. Scale of one to ten, how good are you at keeping secrets? Oh, maybe five point five. Oh, big mouth us. <laughs> Favorite movie as a kid? Remember the Titans. Is double dipping at a party ever acceptable? Nah, no way. Sensational! You ace that, my guy. Thanks, you. Brendan, how, how has uh, the transition from the Super Rugby AU into the uh, Super Rugby Trans-Tasman going? Obviously, it's been a tough opening couple of weeks, but um, have you guys adjusted pretty well? It's been tough, eh, to be honest. Eh? Um, it's just getting used to playing Kiwi teams again, to be honest. It's just been really – it's been a massive shock to the system like as, as a franchise, like at the Reds, and I'd say even at every other franchise as well. But um, we're really excited for this week. Especially playing the Chiefs, we always know that 
it's going to be a physical game against the Chiefs and we've done a lot of homework on them. We've taken a lot of positives out of the Crusaders game. And yeah, we're just looking to move forward essentially. Do you, you think you'll have a bit of an advantage playing up in Townsville? Obviously the conditions uh, are going to be a bit challenging for the Chiefs. You guys spending most of your time or all your time up in Queensland. Um, you'd be well prepared for, for what's about to come. Yeah, bro. We're hoping... Um, we're hoping that it's about maybe 40 degrees up there. That'll be good for us. <laughs> we, we're used to playing in the heat, so it'd be nice if the humidity's through the roof as well. <laughs> That'll be a massive advantage. But yeah, we're used to playing in that in that type of weather. But in the end, like for us, it's, we know that you know the games are not going to just come on a silver platter. We're going to make mistakes, but it's just more like capitalising on each opportunity, you know? Love that. I just kind of want to go back to the Super Rugby AU competition. Congratulations to you and the Queensland Reds for securing that premiership. It was a firecracker Thank you. of a final. Thank you. Um, I guess, how, how did it feel that day when you guys had won? Because obviously you guys kind of, well, James O'Connor came in clutch for you guys in, in the final minute of the game. But for you as an individual, how, how did it feel um, knowing that when that final whistle blew, you guys were declared premiership winners? Man, it was it was weird, eh? Because I don't I don't think I prepared myself like for if we had lost. Like the whole week was so good. Like the po- it was such a positive build into the week, and like we were we were fizzing. And the truth is, we actually didn't really play that good, eh? <laughs> we didn't really play that good in the final. And I was just sitting there on the sideline with like five minutes to go, and I was thinking to myself, "What the heck?" I don't know what I want to do if we lose. <laughs> yeah. Like I wasn't prepared for that. Like I, I prepared myself to like, you know, get on the beers and everything and celebrate. I haven't had the cigars in my bag waiting. That's how, that's how, like that's how, that's how ready I was. And I was sitting there with five to go and I was like, man, I, I what, looks like we want to lose. And then when James came through with that clutch, you know, it was a team effort in the end, but man, it was, I was on top of the world, eh, to be honest. It was, it was, Unbelievable, yeah. Well, it was it was interesting watching because Tanner Tupo went over the line, and everyone kind of thought that he'd scored the try. And yeah, so I think half of the players on the field stopped, and then it it shifted, as you said, out to James O'Connor. What were you thinking when uh, when that all unfolded? Did you think there was a try scored initially before um, the actual match winner? Yeah, well. We we couldn't really see anything to be honest, from the sideline there. We couldn't see anything, so it looked like Nella got over the line. So we were all celebrating, but then they threw it out to James, and then James went over. So we're like, either one's got to be a try. We've got, it's got to be a try. We've got to, it's got to be a win for us, you know. So we're going off on the sideline there, like we're running on the field, running up and down the sidelines, putting the finger up to the Brumbies, <laughs> all that kind of thing. <laughs> all that kind of thing, and our managers just screaming at us, telling us to get back into our corner. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Eh? It was outrageous. Eh? We were just, yeah. But um, yeah, it was so much fun, eh? I guess before you packed the cigars in your bag and were thinking about what you guys would get up to after the game, um, what was your game day ritual like the morning of the grand final? Um, my game, like, it was the same as every other day. Like, I've got a process. Like, I, it doesn't, for me, it's just as long as I have a nice brekkie. It doesn't really matter what I eat. Um, I had my family up, so I made sure I hung out with them for the day. And I just got to make sure I sneak in a cheeky a cheeky nap around 12 midday for like an hour, hour and a half. And that was about it. Like, just that. Like, I just kept it real simple, kept it real chill. 
I even shot a couple of hoops. That's what I like to do before a game. Just go play a bit of basketball. Mate, you had a full day of activities before you went and played the biggest <laughs> game of the season. Yeah, yeah, no, it's my because I, I need to keep my brain ticking because I, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people that's always like I always have to move, and I can't really sit still. And you know, obviously the nerves and everything were kicking in. So I just, I just have to make sure I was doing stuff. So yeah, there's something different that I. That I... I was always someone that when I played, I'd have to do nothing because I was worried about spending energy. I didn't want to spend energy, but more and oh, really? more, yeah. more and more, I'm hearing players like yourself that are keen to get up and move and do things. I play golf on on game day, play basketball. I actually, one of my old coaches, uh, Jimmy Dimmick, who's a legend of, of rugby league, he used to play basketball yeah. before every game as well. So, yeah, I'm amazed that that's that's how you prepare going into a game. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Like it's not, like I'm not going too hard, to be honest. I'm just shooting a couple of hoops, trying to build that accuracy. Because obviously I throw the ball every game. So just kind of just, yeah. And it helps me get my mind off everything. Yeah, it helps me get my mind off the game. Because sometimes, man, with me especially, like I play the game before the game's actually played. Sometimes in my head. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that helps me, you know, switch off and just focus on something else, you know. Babe, back, um, I just want to ask you, so obviously you guys came off an incredible, incredible season finisher and then the following week you guys entered the Trans-Tasman competition and didn't have a great deal of luck. Um, how yeah. have you, you, you alluded to earlier that the competition is so, is so different, but what, what do you think those differences are? To, be, to break it down, um, from, what I've, from what, what I'm just seeing is it's just a totally different brand of rugby. Like we're so used to Australian rugby where you can kind of predict where the ball's going to be. You know, like we've played the Brumby so many times, the Force, the Waratahs and the Rebels. We've watched so much video on them and we just know where they're going to go usually. So we're actually preparing ourselves to defend where we think they're going to go. With the New Zealand teams, they play so much what's in front of you. So like then, then, don't really have much structure to their game. It's more like they go to where spaces, you know. Eyes up footy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And for us, like, like I found, like, a lot of us were just, we weren't even watching what was in front of us. We were just playing the way we've, we've seen them in the clips, if you know what I mean, like watching them in clips. You know, usually they go around the corner, would fold around the corner for no reason, and then they're bouncing back on the blind side, you know. Mm. And um, it's just that. It's just more, they're just more freestyle, but they're really good at it. You know, they're really good at executing um, their, their plays, essentially, even though it's freestyle. So, yeah, that's one thing I've picked up. Do, do you think if you had the opportunity to, to, instead of having the two separate comps, if it was um, a trans-tasm series to, just to start with, that by now you would have adapted a lot, or you, you feel like you would have adapted a lot quicker to their style of play and, um, it would be um, a lot easier for you to, to prepare each week for each game? Oh, 100%. You know, like, um, I was, re- I was just, just been reading a lot of reviews and people are saying, like, especially Hughes are saying, you know, give the Aussies time. You know, it takes time to learn how to, yeah. how Richie Mwanga would play and learn how to, da- like, how to defend Damien McKenzie kind of thing. Obviously, a lot of our boys haven't played, like, unless you played for the Wallabies last year. Yeah, like, a lot of the boys haven't played a Kiwi team in the last two years, you know? So they're not, you know, especially a lot of the young boys coming through, they've never played a New Zealand team. They don't know what to expect, you know. So I definitely agree if we had started off with that Trans-Tasman match, that would have been probably better. But yeah. um, 
I mean, it is what it is, eh? Yeah, I guess that's uh, some things are, are out of control. That was a bit of yeah, a preempt yeah, around, yeah, what COVID, the challenges that COVID would pre- present for the competition. Yeah, you, exactly. Yeah, you mentioned international uh, rugby, and a few years ago you made your debut for the Wallabies, and um, I was I was reading or watching an interview you did actually, and talking about how. Uh, you were impacted or you felt inspired um, by the fact that kids watching you get so emotional singing the Australian anthem, how uh, they were inspired then to to want to represent and, and play rugby at the highest level. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, no, it was awesome. You know, I had, had the privilege to, rep- to play for like, Australia back in 2018. It was during the Irish um, tests. And I don't know why, like, Australia's, to be honest, I grew up being the biggest all-black supporter. My family, all Kiwis. Um and I think it's just something that I, it took me a while to switch over to the, like to, to actually support the Wallabies. But in the end, I remembered that it was Australia that made me the player that I am today. And just, just having that mindset and, you know, just wanting to give something back to, to, to Australia, you know, I was just hoping that, you know, me playing out there and me, um, you know, busting out that anthem would give some kids, you know, that, that um that push you know to want to play for the Wallabies and represent the Wallabies one day you know so so yeah. <laughs> On that note, um, B, I know that you guys are currently or the Wallabies, you guys are going to, into a camp real soon. Um, yeah. What does preparation look like for you at the moment, and are you looking forward to the upcoming Test matches in July? Well, I hope I make the squad first. I mean, that's the <laughs> I feel you. That's the thing that yeah they haven't named it yet. I mean my. Obviously, I'm going to France at the end of the year, and um, I'd definitely love to play for the Wallabies before I head over. I'd love to beat the French and then go over to France. That's one way but, to um, make friends. <laughs> yeah, but um, if I, you know, if I did get that opportunity, you know, I, I don't think my preparation will change much. Maybe just, you know, cut down on the Kit Kats a bit, a bit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like it's a bit more on the skin folds, to be honest, there, because mate, my skin folds are through the roof right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Brandon, I just want to say thank you so much for joining um, Dean and I today. It's been incredible chatting to you. Uh, we wish you all the luck for your game this weekend. Um, but besides that, we um, have loved yarning to you this morning. Oh, thanks, you, sir. Thanks, Dean. Appreciate you thanks, guys so Brandon. much. Eh? That was Brandon Payamosa, a current Queensland Red and also Australian Wallaby. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? So there are a couple of things that have happened this week that I'm so keen to get stuck into with you, Dean. The first was the NRL. Over the weekend, we saw 29 charges passed down to players. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, uh, 29 charges, 26 of them entered early guilty pleas. So that tells me that players were comfortable, the fact that they were charged, maybe. Uh, Three went to the panel, to the judiciary panel, to try and get downgraded or or get off, and they were all found guilty. So, um, look, the crackdown, the rule crackdown that's been spoken about for the last fortnight, uh, it's all aimed at protecting players. So the fact that the match review committee's picked up all these charges means that players are still hitting each other in the head and it needs to be eradicated from the game. I do feel for players if they're suspended and they miss time. Uh, Victor Radley's going to miss five weeks, as we mentioned earlier in the show. So that's really disappointing for, for Victor Radley, particularly with Origin coming up, he was a chance to be selected for that. And wow. Angus Crichton, his teammate, who looked likely to be one of the back rowers for New South Wales, he'll also miss it because he was uh, suspended for two weeks. So, 
I feel for the guys. You don't want to see players rubbed out of the game, but you also want the match review and the judiciary to be doing their job and um, being as consistent as they can be with charging these things. Um, and, and that's a result. I think we're going to see players change their behaviour out of fear of missing big games and or missing club games or um, getting fines as well. So hate seeing players out understand the crackdown. I love what you mentioned about the onus being on players. I read an article where Kane Evans was speaking to his point. He's obviously had um, he's had very limited minutes over at the Warriors and he said that the onus is on players at the moment and over the weekend he had I think something like 11 minutes um, and twice he held back from committing to the Ruck because he was second guessing himself and where his hands would land. So I mean for two weeks into the competition and the hard crackdown the numbers are really high and I think that's probably the most disappointing thing to see is that the numbers are high. But I do think for for all of this to to come into, you know, for, I guess for it to come naturally to players, I guess we just got to wait it out a couple more weeks. But, I mean, in six weeks' time, if we're still talking about 29 charges, like what will we be saying then? Yeah, that's going to be a different story. <laughs> that might be something to, uh, to think about. We don't want to be losing too many players uh, through suspensions or charges or whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, it, it won't be a great look, I think. Like you say, that the player behaviours will change, uh, just in terms of some technique uh, differences that they need to make, uh, and then we'll see. We'll see the charges come down. Hopefully, that's the hope. Anyway, that's the hope. Shifting our attention over to the Canberra Raiders, mm. they dropped Williams um, this week. It's it's really sad. I was reading an article, and obviously he had mentioned to the manager that he's he was really missing home. And we spoke about this, I think, about two weeks ago, that he was missing home and just looking for some time off. And they released him effective immediately. Yeah, this is a strange one for for George Williams. He, he's become quite vocal on social media about it after a story was run by one of the broadcasters of the game, and um, he tried to put some truths out there that he sees it the way he sees it, and then. Someone else. There's a little bit of like fighting going on online between bit of a some, he said she said yeah between um, George and some journalists, which is uh, it's not good to see, but also not great for the Canberra Raiders because it raises a lot of questions about what's going on down there. It's been circulating for probably a month now. Um, they haven't been playing great, and there's been um, yeah a lot of chat around players not being happy. George Williams being one of them. Obviously, the club made the move this week to grant him an immediate release, which is not what he was after. He said that he was after release at the end of the season. Um, but it's it's not the, the best-looking split for for them um, to, to go through. And, yeah, I guess we'll watch his space to see how the Raiders perform this weekend. That's going to be really interesting uh, to see what kind of bounce back they've got. Another Williams will replace him, Sam Williams, who's a, a bit of a veteran for the club. He's been around for a long time, and uh, there's, he's, he's held in pretty high regard by, by his um, teammates, but he's only had one game this year, and uh, we'll see how that goes in their performance. Time will tell, but shifting our attention over to the NRLW, something really excited happened this week. The New South Wales Blues announced their squad, and at first glance, this squad looks like fire. Yeah, they, they look very strong, and um, yeah, excited for, for this match. I think it's on the 25th of June, I believe, that that's going to be played up in the Sunshine Coast. Um, hopefully, I'll get a start up there to go and, and call the game, because oh, I love Women's Origin. It's um, always a great event a great contest and the blues are looking to take it back from Queensland who won last year. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a cracker of a match. One player in particular, I do want to mention is Kennedy Charrington. Uh, she was called up into the squad last year. First year, she was also the rookie of the year last year and uh, she wasn't announced in their game day um, squad. However, this year she has been and um, been placed with the number 16 Jersey. So I'm really excited to see this rookie kind of perform on this stage because I know that she's good for it. I know that she's been working hard for it, but I love seeing the likes of Isabel Kelly, 
Jessica Sergis and Tiana Penitani, like the speed of these girls is unmatched in the competition. Yeah, they're weapons and uh, also like, obviously very, very physical in the way that they train and prepare. And yeah, Tiana, shout out to Tiana. Hope she um, hope she goes well, scores a couple of tries. Um, Corbin Baxter, formerly Corbin McGregor, she uh, got married not too long ago. I, yes. uh, I do a little bit of work with Corbin and um, yeah, she's, uh, she's a very good six. Hopefully she goes to it. It's a great side. Oh, I could speak about I could speak for days Go on each of the players. The whole team, yeah. Shout out to me, little boy. We know you're going to menace the field, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Go the Blues. Can you be more specific on ABC Radio Australia? And ABC Sport Digital Radio. So this week we're introducing a new segment called Keeping It Social. And basically the point of this segment is to highlight all the fantastic things that we see on social media. I love social media. I think that, yeah, is that okay to say that out loud? Yeah, you can say you love social media. Yeah, love social media. I know how to uh, influence a crowd. Oh my God, look, look hear me are out. You, are you a social media is that it? Social influencer? Look. Social media influencer? All I'm saying is my gram game is strong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, hope, I'm actually hopeless on Instagram. I, I don't – I'm not very regular. I put up random stuff that people probably don't care about. Uh, no, you, it was good from you. I saw you put a story up and you never post. Yeah, I never post. <laughs> You're almost like a waste – it's a waste for me to follow you. <laughs> I don't bring anything interesting. No. I'll, I'll, I'll get some tips from you and then I'll, I'll try and improve it. Look, all I'm saying is if you need some tips, come to me. Okay. I got you. But there was something that was really cool and I absolutely want to cover this. Josh Adokar, he's obviously a very great character. People love him. But there has been this video of him walking around with a boombox and a cowboy hat, which I bloody love, and he's just blasting the tunes. Yeah, he's got lots of personality. Josh, he um, certainly enjoys himself. Well, it looks like he enjoys what he's doing, playing rugby league in the NRL for the Storm. I know he's moving clubs but um, he's always having fun and yeah, he always plays it up for, for social media. Music's obviously a big part of that, carrying his boombox around on his shoulder, shirt off always. He's always got his shirt off. I mean, I'm not complaining. <laughs> but the cowboy hat, that's a new addition. Yeah, it is. You know what? Those hats are really expensive yeah. and he, he rocks it. Have you watched the movie, uh, sorry, not the movie, the show Yellowstone? No, I haven't watched it, no. It's on Stan. Fantastic show. Loving country stuff. But, like, Josh just plays it so well. He knows how to engage an audience, and he's such a social influencer. Before too long, there'll be people wearing cowboy hats all around the city, so... Look, I mean, I'm wearing RMs today. Like, I'm influenced oh, by the city. <laughs> And obviously this week we're moving into Indigenous Round, which is an incredible celebration. Um, and there was this really cool uh, graphic that the NRL put up and it was a map made up of where all the Indigenous players um, come from throughout Australia. Yeah, it's great. Uh, a real um, important week uh, on the calendar for the NRL is Indigenous Round. And it's um, I think it's been going for over 11 or 12 years now, originally called Close the Gap round and uh, it's evolved since then but this year there's a little bit of a, a reference to what it was originally called in terms of close the gap they're start, they're showing uh, through their social media and it'll also be on display at the games as well uh, just highlighting some of the the, the gaps that do exist uh, for indigenous Australians in terms of uh, health uh, social issues employment and whatnot and really bringing that to the front of people's mind in, in terms of um, doing what they, they wanted they set out to achieve um, back when they started this round in terms of closing the gap that exists for Indigenous Australians. And I think it's it's really – I'm proud to be uh, a part of the game that, that does this. And, and um, they've got a really 
a strong approach to anything that they do involving our First Nations people. Uh, it's it's a real strong focus for the game. And I, f- I feel like um, this year it's, it's more about um, showcasing these numbers so that people are aware of it uh, and that they can actually do something about it. Absolutely. Representation is so important. So to be able to see this week um, happen and for um, their cultures to be celebrated is really important. And yeah, again, I'm really, really, really proud of what the NRL are doing. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. So this week we've got a brand new segment and it's inspired by a show on ABC Ivy called You Can't Ask That. And basically the purpose of the show is engaging different minority groups and they answer controversial questions that have been submitted by the public. What I really, really dig about the show is that it gives insight into the lives of these people and breaks down the stereotypes um, by allowing us to ask questions that people are typically afraid to ask. And a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not sure, Dean, if you saw it, there was an episode that included ex-footballers from the NFL, sorry, not the NFL, the NRL and the AFL. Um, and it was fire. Did you get to see that one? Yeah, I did see it. And uh, I, I did click on iView. A friend of mine was on the, or a couple of friends of mine were actually on the show, but Dean Witters, who I work with at the NRL, he was on there and I seen him post about it. So I jumped on and, and had a look and uh, you, you're right, it was fire. It was Good to see players uh, be a bit vulnerable and, and open up and yeah, answer some of those tough questions that, that you do hear from uh, people in public that often don't get spoken about in that kind of forum. So um, the AFL players are really interesting, very, very similar in some of their ex- some of their experiences. Let me get that out. It was a great, great episode. What I most enjoyed about the episode was, I guess, the – the questions weren't really like lighthearted. Like, how did you get involved in footy? It was like really, it was straight to the point. It was like in your face, you know, like why do women get treated so badly? And, you know, why do you act the way that you do when you have such a privileged lifestyle that, you know, has been afforded to you through the likes of sport? So I guess um, something I wanted to ask you, and this is a question that kind of triggered me and I'll, I'll get into it, but it was, it was saying like, how do you deal with the spotlight? So you obviously accept the fact that you have a public profile, you're a player, but then you're also held responsible for everything that happens off field, right? So that all almost doesn't give you any permission to switch off from your sport. So how did you deal with the spotlight and how do you kind of interpret the responsibility that comes with having a profile? Yeah, well, for me, and that was a great question that was asked. There were some good answers given by the players. But for me, I, when I got to play at an elite level up up in the NRL, I was I couldn't believe that I was actually there playing. So I, I was I felt like I was grateful and it was a privilege to be playing at that level. So anything that came along with it, I was willing to take on. And um, I was aware of the fact that if I misbehave in public, it could come back on me as a rugby league player in my, my playing career. So I always tried to to make sure I was doing the right thing or sticking to my responsibilities. Um, I know a lot of my teammates and others that played the game would have battled with that at times. And, and there's been countless stories that have ended up on the front page of the paper or in the news for the wrong reasons. And um, no doubt that the spotlight that they uh, were under was sometimes a challenge. And having or being able to switch off from rugby league and trying to walk around and live a normal life for them might've been a challenge. I don't think I ever really faced any of that as a player. I wasn't super high profile. So um, it's not like people watching me all the time and I didn't feel like that was ever going to be an issue, but yeah, I was just always aware of what were my responsibilities as a, as a football player and the fact that I could be a role model for, for kids as well. 
Yeah, see, for me, I, like, I absolutely get all them. I just, I, you know, I, when hearing these footballers speak about the fact that they battled with it, that they couldn't switch off, and then, you know, some things that probably should have been kept private in their group of friends ended up being spilt out to the media. And yeah, then, yeah. you know, like, it's just not fun. And I empathize with these players because I just think, like, there are so many young players that are also coming through the game right now that have also found themselves in really, really sticky situations. But what kind of tools can they be given? Like, should players be given some kind of leniency when things like this happen? Because, like, they don't get to switch off and, like, they don't get to be – some players, right, they're really young. Like, there are yeah. players that are in first-grade sides and they're 22 years old, so they're barely living their lives at the moment. Like, they're living out their dream, but they're not living life, if you know what I'm saying. So yeah. what advice would you give to someone that's really young, that's coming through the game, who probably hasn't had the opportunity to just live their youth out and then they just get caught up in really stupid situations later? Yeah, it's, it's a good point you make. Like, so you can play NRL at the age of 18. They've, they've made an exemption this year for Joseph Sawali to play at, at only 17 years of age. He hasn't played yet. But you think about that, there's f- over 500 NRL-contracted players at the moment. That's including development list players who can play um, first grade at a certain point. Out of 500 players, they're, they're, their ages are between 18, say, and 36, I think. Benji's the oldest in the game at the moment. So in that age bracket, early 20s, guys that are young and going out and living their life or wanting to live their life like any other early 20s person is doing, it's a different way for them to, um, I guess, be exposed to things. And um, you've you got to expect, we don't want it to happen, but you've got to expect that young people are going to make decisions. They learn from decisions that they make that are either good or bad in that age group we'd be silly not to think that there's going to be guys and girls that are going to be making decisions that aren't the best because they're still learning how to be people, how to be adults. And um, they're still learning from their experiences. Uh, some of my previous work that I've done, we know that emotionally people don't mature until they're all, they don't become emotionally intelligent until around 24 years of age, 25 years of age. So for, for all those people that are below that, and there's quite a big number of them in the NRL in particular, um, they're not yet capable of making fully mature decisions emotionally. So mm-hmm. we expect that there's going to be some some issues, but at the same time, to your other point, we want to give them tools to be able to make good decisions and um, yeah, not end up on the front page or in the headlines for the wrong reasons. And uh, every year players are presented with different education programs that talk about social responsibility around respect for relationships, how to, how to be um, – be respectful in your interactions with other people, uh, not just uh, if it's a romantic interaction, but with friends and family and people in the public and um, doing that from a, a morally good point of view and also from a legally um, good point of view. So th- there is a lot of work that, that's done with players face-to-face as soon as they enter an elite system. So from 16 years of age onwards, there's programs that are run for players um, to try and help them in their decision-making. But again, we're, we're going to be naive if we don't think that a group of young people between the ages of 18 to 36, majority at the lower end, um, 500 of them, that there's not going to be a few that, that step out of line. And it is only a few that ever step out of line. Mm. Um, and, yeah, the spotlight does bring a lot of pressure and sometimes pressure can, can turn into, um, I guess, other behaviours that aren't great to cope with that pressure and um, that's when we see things go wrong. That's really good chat. I think one thing I also, what really stood out to me about that episode was Ian Roberts, who we know in 1995 came out about his sexuality. And, you know, we fast forward now to 2021. Do you believe that the NRL landscape is is pretty, you know, masculine and probably isn't inviting of, um, of I guess, its players to come forward with and to be vulnerable about their sexuality? I, I think there's, there's challenges for sure. Uh, it's a funny thing because I find that a lot of the players – 
that I, when I finished my career that I, that I was playing with, like I find them to be, they'd probably be way more accepting if someone was to come out than say 15, 20 years ago. And when, when Ian came out, tough environment for him to do that. And, um, unfair that he, he was, he's forever known as the guy that's come out in, in, in rugby league in Australia. And he's carried that for a long time and he's always the go-to for any of these issues. And he speaks so well on it. He's, he's a great guy and it is really good for the game to have someone like him to be able to share, share his experiences and hopefully encourage others to be vulnerable and, and open and, and share of themselves. And look, the, the environment at the moment, it is a masculine environment, but I feel that the players are in a place now where society's moved to a certain point that they've followed and that they would be way more accepting. But where it needs to change for me is just in the language that's used around the locker room, around the training field. There's, there's slurs that are thrown out without intention, I think, a lot of the time. But the slurs that are used can be cut into someone that maybe is dealing with those um, those doubts about their own sexuality or not even doubts, but like trying to wrestle with coming out or, or speaking to others and being open about who they really are. The, the, the language at times doesn't really provide an environment that's safe and allowing of that. And that's something that Robbo often talks about when he presents to NRL groups is about reframing the way we speak so that, um, you know, so that someone is comfortable enough in that environment to say, yeah, you know, this is how, this is who I am and this is how I feel. And, I, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that the group would be really accepting. I think that was mentioned in, in I think Willie Mason might've said, no, oh, we'd, we'd get on with it. We'd, mm-hmm. you know, we wouldn't treat them only treat, treat a player that was open about their sexuality any different. Um, but yeah, there, there's, there's challenges and different people see it different ways and you're not, you know, like there's, there's no, you don't want to impose your own thoughts and feelings on others, but you also want to make it a place where people can feel comfortable enough to be themselves. Playing in rugby union in the circles that I play, the girls openly embrace their sexuality and yep. um, it's it's not new to us, you know, and, and I love my friends and I support them and the lives that they lead. And I just, um, I would like to see that replicated in the men's game, whatever format of yeah. footy that is. Um, but no, you know, that, that episode to me was, was really eye opening and really confronting. Um, also having brothers who played in NRL or super league. So, um, I was just really intrigued to get your thoughts on it. Cause I found myself, you know, either confronted or triggered. So yeah. that is the inspiration behind today's segment. Well, can I touch on another thing that they, they spoke about in that episode and it was about mental health and about dealing with mm. dealing with that and the fact that what well, I think one of the players said and it's said often around like, oh, you get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, you know, how can it be that hard? But nearly every one of those guys that was on that show spoke about the debilitating pressure that they faced. Like a couple of them spoke about um, dealing with depression and dealing with like anxiety, high levels of anxiety around their performances. Like that's a reality for so many players. And and I'm not sure, Sarah, what you feel like on game day or in preparation leading to a game, but um, there, there are moments where you're just like, you're really anxious about how well you're going to go. And it can really close you off and, and, and change your personality in that moment. And um, it can be quite difficult for a lot of players and um, it doesn't go away for, mm. for a lot of players' careers as well. I think, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think something that came through was that each of those players acknowledge that although they may be on really big contracts and have really good money come through through the door, at the end of the day, they're still human. Yeah. And I think that the public often forget that the players that you idolize are just as human as you are. Yeah. They yeah. have things that make them scared. There are things that make them anxious. And sometimes um, 
you know, consumers of sport that don't play it can lose sight of it without actually knowing what that does to a player. Um, so that episode in particular was it just highlighted so many different areas that I think are just misconceptions in the public. Like you guys have it all together. You guys have lots of money. You're like, why do you guys act stupid when, you know, you have the world at your feet? Yeah. But it just, to me, it just made players more human. And I think that we should never, ever forget that when we love sports so much. Well said. Now, if there are any questions that you want to ask us, we would love to hear it. You can hit us up on our socials. Mine is Sarah Nangama. There's Dean Hallitau. Or you can check out ABC Sport or Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? So, Sarah, what are you looking forward to this week? If there's one Super Rugby match that I'm most looking forward to, it's Western Force going up against the Hurricanes. Based off the scoreline last week with Western Force, I think that they probably have the best fighting chance against a Super Rugby side from New Zealand. So I think it'll be an exciting match. Western Force have obviously shown that they are a force to be reckoned with. Is that is that what you appropriately say? Pun it's intended. A pun, yeah, 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 pun yeah. intended. Yeah, I like yeah, it. yeah. Um, so I, I'm I'm genuinely excited to see what those boys do. And please, 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 Australian teams, can someone get a win against one of these Super Rugby sides from New Zealand? Well, I'm going to back another Australian team to get the first win. I think the Reds uh, over the Chiefs up in Townsville. It's going to be a tough away match for the Chiefs. So I think the Reds. Being the title holders from AU and probably our, our best hope of a win, particularly um, when I say our, I shouldn't say our because I'm back in the Kiwi teams, but Australia's best chance for a win being up in Townsville. Tough conditions. Tough conditions, but time will tell who will come back with the W. Switching over to other codes, there's Indigenous Round taking place in the NRL, AFL and Netball. Again, a very important week in sport, a very important week in Australian history. So it's really exciting to see these competitions embrace the importance of First Nations people. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, I mentioned earlier that the NRL's Indigenous Round is one of my favourite weeks and, and a lot of fans' favourite weeks in the NRL calendar. So I'm looking forward uh, to, to games there. In particular, the Rabbitohs versus the Eels. The Rabbitohs coming off a huge loss to the Penrith Panthers and the Eels had a tough loss uh, in their game against the Seagulls, the, the up on the up Seagulls. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see how both teams bounce back in that match. And also the Roosters and the Raiders, uh, both teams, again, coming off a loss. Roosters, very upsetting loss last week. Raiders, they're kind of in the pits at the moment. So I guess <laughs> the, the theme of <laughs> – they're in the pits. No, that's fair. They're it's in the fair. pits. So I guess all four sides are, are looking to make a comeback. And as someone great once told me, the comeback is always greater than the setback. Hang on, I'm writing that down. Yeah, write it down real quick. Write it down. Make sure you reference my name. No, I'm going to steal it. It's oh. Oh, okay, sweet. So we're not giving credit where credit's due anymore. Only the thousands of people listening will know that it came from you, but everyone else, that, yeah, they'll know it comes from me. Fine. I know I'm a great. You can take my line. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned the other the other codes having their um, Indigenous round as well, AFL and, and Super Netball. Yes, and what I've loved about um, what these competitions have done is that they'll also be changing their uniform this week. They're using artwork that has been designed um, by... Indigenous people, so whether it's the netball girls changing up their dresses, um, I know, if, uh, and a really great story, and I, I think something we haven't covered this week is the Titans. Their jersey was made um, by a high school student that's involved in a program or initiative that's run by the NRL. Yeah, the School to Work program. It's um, uh, run from the NRL's Indigenous uh, unit, which is uh, 
aimed at getting Indigenous students uh, into higher education or many full employment. And uh, I think the success rate or the graduation rate's about 95% of participants in the program go through to, to complete high school and then move on to their, um, yeah, whatever they're chosen beyond that. Uh, it's a really, really successful program and one that I know people working in the NRL um, are very proud of, of the outcomes that they get and being able to help these kids transition in, into those those um, you know, further education or, or meaningful jobs. Yes, the, the young girl that was uh, behind the artwork that was chosen for the Titans jersey, her name is Ashley Banks, and she's a student at Mabel High School. And I was reading an article, and I believe Andrew Fafida um, was on a call, a Zoom call with her, and she was just so shocked. So you could only imagine, um, I guess, how proud a high school student would feel um, seeing her artwork displayed on a national stage. So pretty exciting and very excited to see um, how all these fixtures unfold. Well, Dean, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure sharing today with you. It has been an absolute pleasure. Same time, same place next week. Yes, and if you missed the show or just want to listen to The Magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2pm PNG time, or you can find all of our episodes on Radio Australia website. Tolokia. Mother. <laughs> can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.